Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I'm your host, Dave, and I wasn't going to record the intro until tomorrow morning, or maybe even, or not tomorrow morning, uh, it would it would either be Thursday morning or Friday morning. I'm on nights right now, which you guys know, I come home from the night shift, I record a loopy, maybe not great intro, and there you go because that's just how my life is sometimes but i'm so pumped up right now i'm so fired up right now i was like you know what let's knock this intro out there's a lot going on (laughs) most of it is very uh specific to me and the people who actually come to the phantom zone uh but i'll start with something that's a little broader uh i mentioned last week i think that Troublemaker, the documentary about a year plus in my life by our friend Jason C. Wilson, is complete, and we have very specific plans for it that I cannot announce yet, but I can tell you that many of you will have the opportunity to see Troublemaker in a very, very cool uh, format and venue. That's all I'm going to say for right now. Uh, another cool thing, movie-wise, is I ha- now have a poster, a character poster, because that's the hot thing right now, is the movies now release, like, character posters with uh, some of the primary characters of the movie. Matter of fact, I- Avengers Endgame just released, like, 30 new character posters uh, for Avenge the Fallen, which, by the way... I could not be any more pumped up for this movie. And every day that goes by that Fandango doesn't send me an email saying, hey, you can buy tickets for this movie now, I get a little crazier. Uh, Seriously, can we just go ahead and buy the tickets? We're a month out. We're a month out now. I feel like I've bought tickets like two months out for other movies. Please put these things on sale. Let me secure my seats. It's already bad enough that I have to work the Thursday night that it comes out, and I won't be able to see it until Friday. Uh, Please, get on it. What is happening with Avengers Endgame? Three hours and two minutes, I think, is the announced runtime. And I don't care. It could be six, and I'd be delighted. Uh, But anyway, uh, so... (laughs) <laughs> I mentioned a few weeks ago that I went and shot a part for our pal Ryan Cadaver and uh, Kevin Slayfield's forthcoming movie, Joe Stryker. And now there is a character poster for the character I played, Bobby Q, which uh, I'll go ahead and break some kayfabe here because, look, you guys are all smart. I'm not fooling any needless things, listeners, with any nonsense. Uh, Bobby Q is is the character i play in the movie uh and i have played a a sort of different an alternate version of bobby q before for uh the mysterious dale jepson uh where i sang the pledge of allegiance and, and their video is out there you can find it i wish there was more of it and i wish it was better quality but one of the great pains of my life is that I don't have somebody like our friend Jason C. Wilson following me around every minute of every day to record all of the awesome stuff that I do. Uh, But anyway, 
uh, my performance as Bobby Q in Joe Striker was recorded, and the character poster is actually pretty cool, despite my big fat face with no beard on it, uh, because my hands are in front of my big fat face, and they are holding a pistol, and I actually look like I mean business. So I'm pretty happy about this. If you if you follow me on Instagram as Phantom Troublemaker uh, or on Facebook as Dave West or in the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group, you you can see this awesome character poster and you can get updates you should you should also follow joe striker on facebook that's striker with a y uh striker with a y rather than an i i guess i should clarify that you don't just throw a y on it's not joe strikery uh that'll be the sequel uh but anyway i had so much fun filming that and now we're we're that's all starting to come together as well so i'm stoked for troublemaker i'm stoked for joe striker cool stuff going on however what i'm excited about today is the brand new computer desk that i'm sitting at uh here, here's a little inside business for you fans of the needless things podcast for the last few years i have been sitting at a folding table uh, because i have two monitors here and i had bought a computer desk it, it, I, when I buy computer desks, I buy them on clearance. I, I don't pay three hundred whatever dollars for a brand new top of the line computer desk. I wait until Office Depot or Fry's or I think I got one at Sam's one time. The best computer desk I've ever owned I got from Sam's for like a hundred bucks, and it was this gigantic u-shaped thing with like cabinets and it was amazing and and actually our our good friend arian well our friends arian and uh big jason jason frazier uh helped me move that thing once and i think there's still a piece of it somewhere around here probably in the storage room but uh but yeah i buy my computer desks on clearance because computer desks go on clearance all the time and uh, this one, I got it from Office Depot online. It, it was a very good price for what it is. And it's just, it's just an L-shaped desk. But I looked at it online and I was like, man, I, I, it was one of those deals where I could totally picture it in my head here in the Phantom Zone with everything on it, where everything would go. There were no space issues it was really just, it was, I looked at it and I was like, holy shit, that is perfect. Uh, and so now I've, it arrived the other day. Phantom Jr. helped me put it together, which by the way, uh, he's, he's helped me with plenty of projects over the years, but this, this is the one where he was like legit helpful and not just kid helping dad. Like it was though, well, actually this and Jabba's sail barge, uh, two pro- two recent projects where he was just straight up helpful and not like, hey, can you hand me the screwdriver? Like both of those, I literally couldn't have done without his help, which is like a really good feeling. And I mean, he's eleven years old; he's getting to that age where the cognitive functions are happening, and and the uh, it's all coming together for him at this point so it it was great we had a blast sitting down here listening to music putting this desk together he chose they might be giants we listened to some de la soul we listened to some devo we listened to some ramones uh all all on vinyl of course because i'm a big stupid vinyl person 
uh, when I'm here in the Phantom Zone. Uh, so yeah, I just this this thing has changed the Phantom Zone in its entirety because now I have more space in this area. And there are going to be new shelves to put the sail barge, the big Millennium Falcon, a bunch of the larger Star Wars pieces that I have are going to go to the right of this thing. And then to the left of it, the shelves that that uh, those pieces are on right now are going to come to the left of this desk and be storage for... I, I've got a lot of unopened toys, a lot of collectible things that are just sort of a... I need to get to these and figure out what to do with them. So I'm going to have two whole new areas of big shelving. Uh, you know, one that's display, one that's practical storage. That the stupid old computer desk and the folding table were taking up all that space before. It's You guys know. You know how good it feels when, like, a living space comes together. And you're like, oh my gosh, this can go. It's like playing Tetris. That piece goes there, that piece goes there, done, blam, eliminated those problems. They're taken care of. And that right now I'm in the process of clearing off uh, all of the junk that was on my desk or on the folding table is still on there and I'm boxing it up or figuring out where it goes. Uh, the sail barge was sitting on a folding table. It's currently sitting on that crappy old computer desk because it's actually the perfect size for that. Uh, and if... I didn't need the space below it that's just where your legs go. Uh, I'd probably just leave it on that. But instead, I have shelves coming where I'll be able to utilize that space vertically uh, as well as horizontally. So it, it looks cool on this little desk, but it's going to look so much cooler when these shelves come in. Uh, so that's part of why I'm excited. Another part of why I'm excited is I have so many podcasts in the can right now, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you about them because they're they're done and they're going up. Uh, today's episode is all about the history of wrestling toys with our pals R.T. Yule, uh, Rich from Nerdy Laser, and uh, Chris DePetrillo from Figures Toy Company, and also many other things chris is great rich is great they both do tons of stuff uh so today's episode about wrestling toys uh we're and when i say the history of wrestling toys you know how we do it's not in 1974 the very first wrestling toy was released by by rubber ray's toy company we don't do that we talk about our personal histories with wrestling toys our recollections the things that we're connected to uh, and it's a really fun episode. We had a blast recording it, and we could probably do a whole other episode uh, about specific lines and stuff. But we cover if if you're you know thirty to forty years old, we cover our life of wrestling toys. It's a cool episode, and you're going to enjoy it. Uh, next week on the show, we are going to have a wrestling centric because we're on the road to WrestleMania. That's what this is all about. Uh, that's why last week's needless commentary was the Stone Cold Steve Austin film Hunt to Kill. Uh, and now the road to WrestleMania continues with wrestling toys. And next week, uh, our pals Mike and Arian, or at least this is the plan. This one's not in the can yet because we can't record until the last Raw and SmackDown before WrestleMania. Uh, but our pals Mike and Arian, or Mike Gordon that is, uh, are going to sit down and we're going to discuss what the heck is going on with WWE the week after that, we have a 
extra special Game of Thrones The Story So Far episode that is in the can. I'm excited. It's great. The week after that is going to be April's Needless Commentary, which has yet to be determined. And then the week after that is already in the can. I recorded an episode about Jabba's sail barge, the katana, the new toy, uh, with Victoria's Cantina, which you should go ahead and Google Victoria's Cantina right now. Check out their YouTube videos. Check out their podcast. There's all kinds of stuff going on over there. They cover Jurassic Park toys, which I didn't know, which is very exciting because, as you may know, I voted that best toy line of 2018. Even though I am not personally collecting it, I'm collecting it vicariously through Phantom Jr. And it's it's seriously incredible. Uh, so check out Victoria's Cantina and know that on April, I think it's April 26th, uh, our Victoria's Cantina is going to be on the Needless Things podcast talking about, I mean, Star Wars toys in general a little bit, but specifically about Jabba's sail barge. It, and I had a lot of fun uh, talking to Victoria and recording that episode, and hopefully she'll be back on. Matter of fact, I'd like to have her and Adam Paulus on at some point just for a crazy Star Wars toy discussion. So there you go. Lots of cool stuff going on. I'm excited. I'm motivated. Things are happening. Uh, I feel like I'm getting back into the groove. Uh, I need to listen to, to some Madonna, some 80s era Madonna to really get myself pumped up and, uh, and ready for everything that lies ahead. The rest of 2019 is looking pretty cool. Like I have some specific stuff to look forward to and I'm stoked about it. But right now, what we have to look forward to is wrestling toys with Rich and Chris DePetrillo. Enjoy. I say we just get into it. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, let's roll. Okay, so for me, when when I think back to the earliest wrestling toys I can think of, and now when I was a kid, I didn't have any wrestling figures because my parents were not fans of me watching wrestling or really knowing anything about wrestling. And actually, real quick, uh, I do want to mention the passing of the first heel that I ever knew of that I was ever terrified of. And that is King Kong Bundy, uh, passed away yesterday afternoon. And when I was a kid, because of course I, I snuck off and watched wrestling late nights on Saturdays. Uh, but the angle where he broke Hogan's ribs I think was the deal that ended up being settled in the steel cage at WrestleMania three. Is that correct? WrestleMania two. WrestleMania two. Okay. Yep. So I saw the angle where he hit the the uh, what, the avalanche on Hogan in the corner. Yes. And in my kid mind, he broke Hogan's back, and I was devastated and this guy was just a horrible scary scary monster the first what before freddy before jason before pinhead king kong bundy was like 
the first person I saw that I was really scared of. Before all the guys that are on your toy shelf. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, which, which, by the way, I do have a King Kong Bundy uh, up on the... He's he's still on the uh, Legends of Professional Wrestling blister card. Nice. The very first FTC legend. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Bought at Hot Topic in probably 1997, I think. 97 or 98, <laughs> um, maybe. 98 because the Bundy came out about a year before I joined up with them and that okay. was in 99. Yeah, and I've I've still got that King Kong Bundy figure. I ha- I had to buy it, man, because not only was he this incredible heel, he was also on Married with Children. Oh yeah. <laughs> what what do you guys have any specific memories of Bundy? He terrified me when I was a kid. Uh, he was just ugly, right? Like, he was a big, bald, fat guy and, like, always counted to five. He wanted the ref to yes. count to five. Yes, that's right. And I, I always love that gimmick. And uh, I have his LJN action figure, which is uh, heavy enough to kill a small child. I, I always I always like to say they could knock out a donkey. Man, I mean that thing is that thing's a lot of rubber. They all are. They're this they're the most dense rubber ever produced by man. What about you, oh, Chris? Do you have any fond memories of King Kong Bundy? Yeah, and besides the you know mid eighties memories that all three of us have for him, I remember being um, you know thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years old when he made his comeback, and I remembered him from my youth, and I thought that he was going to be this real big deal and i remember him flopping completely and having an awful match with undertaker and just kind of becoming another face in the crowd with ted dibiase's corporation and i just kind of remember thinking this is the guy that main evented at wrestlemania and now he's just kind of this you know mid-card bum here on you know wwf superstars and monday night raw and i just remember this was around the time i started getting into the backstage news and the the smart quote-unquote side of things and everything so i didn't really understand everything uh to that extent yet and just thinking why is this guy not anything why are they just making him into a bum i thought this was the guy that was like gonna you know destroy the undertaker and destroy Bret hart and he's just kind of floundering against adam bomb so that actually probably stands out more to me uh, than the memories that we've talked about with you know WrestleMania two and the five count and stuff like that, it's that he went from being such a pivotal point in the wrestling boom to kind of just being an afterthought less than ten years later. Well, and that speaks, I think, to guys who sort of try to hold on longer than they should because you know Vader, one of the greatest big men of all time, one of the scariest heels of all time. But part of his legacy in my head will always be that terrible night on Raw. I can't remember exactly what he did, but I remember him rolling out of the ring and saying, I'm just a fat piece of shit. Oh, that was a pay-per-view. I oh, was want to say that was the first I wanna say it was the first Judgment Day pay-per-view or the first Unforgiven in ninety eight. Oh, Unforgiven sounds right. Yeah, it was it was either one of those in '98 when he did the whole dejected thing, and yeah. you know at that point I was deeply invested in the learning the uh, inside scoops and whatnot. So that one was just surprising to me because you've got Vader of all people playing this woe is me pitiful character, and it just did not mesh well. 
No, no, not at all. Not at all. He never should have been anything less than just a, 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 a like uh, that era's Brock Lesnar, basically. Absolutely. With his white castle of fear. So, uh, but all all respect to King Kong Bundy, who who was just a massive force in the business when we were kids, and and a truly scary guy who who embodied his gimmick perhaps better than than a lot of guys of the era. So, talking about, we've already brought up wrestling toys it, we could, because it's inescapable. The three of us are not going to be able to have a conversation without mentioning wrestling toys in some capacity. Uh, and that is the point of today's episode is to just sort of reminisce about the whole wrestling toy phenomenon because obviously wrestling is a hugely marketable uh, piece of entertainment. There's all kinds of tie-ins. They're basically superheroes fighting in the ring. And of course, kids and adults want action figures of that. And I wanted the three of us to get together and just kind of uh, crush our brains together and figure out some of the coolest stuff that we remember from our lives. And going back, the first ones that I was aware of were the big rubber LJN figures. What about you guys? Absolutely. For me as well, that was the first ones that I remember getting, the first ones that I remember seeing, and the first ones. That might be the first non-Masters of the Universe toy line that I really, truly started getting deeply invested in. And what's funny about those is, as a, I am, I say I'm a toy snob, and I don't mean that as any kind of compliment to myself whatsoever. Sometimes my pickiness gets the best of me. Uh, but those figures, in theory, I should not like because they are completely unarticulated. Uh, the likenesses are very, very 80s. But man, I, I never had any when I was a kid because, like I said, my parents were not at all supportive of my wrestling fandom. Uh, but as an adult, I now have a, a small collection of those, and I love them because they're these big, thick, heavy, like, they sort of embody what wrestlers are. They're these solid, almost dangerous toys. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I never had them as uh, as a kid either, Dave, uh, which is, it's crazy to me that I don't, I mean, I watched wrestling a lot, and I loved wrestling, still do, obviously, and I just, I never had them as a kid. I, I don't remember them in stores. I don't remember, I just don't remember them. They're, they're, they're just not a part. I don't even remember commercials about them. I don't remember wrestling figures until Hasbro's come out. Like, and then I saw the, the, you know, prime time, they'd have them on there and, and, uh, they would talk about the toys. Yeah, I, I, that's the thing is, I don't particular, I remember seeing the LJN figures in Lionel Playworld, um, but the Hasbro WWF figures, which we'll get to in a little bit, I don't really remember seeing those at retail, but I, I want to stick with the LJNs for a minute. Now, Chris, when you were a kid, what were, what were your guys, like, what did, what did you have collection-wise of those LJN figures? I remember the very first two that I got were Hulk Hogan and Big John Studd. So, you know, if you're getting any type of toy line, I think it's always important to have a hero and a villain, you know, two guys that can face off with each other. Yeah. And the LJN at that point were not compatible with anything like Masters of the Universe or G.I. Joe or anything, so it's not like you could pull a toy story and kind of meld the worlds together. So I remember having Hogan and Big John Studd. 
I remember getting Cowboy Bob Orton. I had Ricky the Dragon Steamboat because he, to this day, is still one of my all-time favorites. I had a pretty extensive collection of the line. I remember my grandmother ordering some for me outside of the inside cover of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. There used to be uh, like a full-page ad of them, and you would see uh, you know, the Demolition Axe figure and Bam Bam Bigelow, and some of the rarer figures in the line were in that picture as well. Uh, I also remember that one of my favorites of all time is known for having notoriously one of the worst wrestling figures of all time. I'm speaking, of course, of Ravishing Rick Rude, who had a figure doing the Rick Rude pose, and that's pretty much all it could do in (laughs) LJN style. You know, I'm glad... Unless you're trying to do a double DDT, that's pretty much all he was good for. (laughs) I'm glad you mentioned the ad... Because it made me remember that most of my exposure to the LJN figures came via Marvel Comics. Because back in the 80s, every issue of, like, Uncanny X-Men or Spider-Man would have those, like, newsprint ads with the illustrations of the LJN figures. Mm-hmm. Those were... Yep, I everywhere. And that, that was how I was aware the, these figures were out there. Um, did Orton have the cast on his arm? <laughs> I don't believe so. Oh, what a what a terrible omission! Although I guess it's easy enough to make a custom cast if you're so inclined. Yeah, you need some uh, not not scotch tape, but get some white tape and you're good. And then yeah. you can have a cast anytime you want. You can make him to the mummy. You can <laughs> you can make him into the yeti. <laughs> the yeti, the yeti. <laughs> um, Put him in the freezer. Just a block of ice. Yeah, I got uh, I got lucky a few years ago, and and a friend of mine who was moving just handed me a big bag of the LJN figures, and they're all in because if if you're a modern day collector wanting to collect those, they're a little difficult to find in good shape because the paint comes off pretty easily in storage. Uh, and I managed to get uh, a few that I'm I'm very happy to have, and my favorite is uh, the Jesse Ventura. Great figure. Oh my gosh, with the pink tights. I'm looking at him right now. The pink tights, the blue boots, the blue headband, the sunglasses, just just looking like you know, it's it's cast in rubber. It's it's an eighties likeness, but you know it's Jesse the Body Ventura. It just looks fantastic. I, I'm I am now a big fan of these figures, just just for what they represent and what they are. Um, and to think that they just relaunched LJN. You know, we're talking about yep. figures that are over 30 years old and it's a testament to how fondly so many people look back on them as their first wrestling figures or their first collections or anything that they've brought them back in a modern style oh now wait i'm not aware of this oh yeah oh yeah the young bucks have ljn figures ljn's trademark is now either owned or licensed by chalkline who makes the 80s style like the souvenir varsity jackets oh yeah yeah and they are making LJN style figures. They released a Young Bucks two pack. Oh, that's fantastic! Wow. Well, and yeah, also and they look nice too. Um, and oh. thinking back a little further, they did the LJN variants, like the Chase figures, in the Jacks Classic line. I was just getting ready to mention that because I've I've got uh, Trish Stratus, and Trish is over there on the wall. I've got I can't remember who the other one I have is. I've got one other one. So it might be Stone Cold. Uh, yep, Stone Cold was one of them. They had like a little bit of almost like a manga look to them as well. Yeah, they're very interesting. Yeah, you're right. Like an animated style 
sort of, but uh, really neat that they brought that back. Jax Pacific did some really fantastic things. Oh, I love Jax. And we'll get into that too, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, we absolutely will. So the LJN stuff, very, uh, any wrestling fan is going to have a soft spot, or any wrestling fan our age anyway is going to have a soft spot for the LJN figures. But the ones that actually got me started collecting wrestling toys uh, in the late 90s after they were no longer being produced were Hasbro's uh, WWF figures. I get WWF superstars. I'm not even sure if the that line had a proper name. No, it was just WWF. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just WWF toys. It's, and, yeah. it's pretty much differentiated by the color coding on the cards. And and what's funny to me about this line is before because here's here's how I got into it is I w- you know having been a toy collector for decades now, uh, in the late nineties you could go to basically any Goodwill or thrift store and buy big plastic bags full of toys for like two bucks. This is sort of right before toy collecting and speculating on retro toys and stuff like that became a thing. So you could get whole bags of the Hasbro WWF figures for nothing. And I bought two bags from one Goodwill, a couple bags from another one. And, of course, you get duplicate figures. You get figures with the paint scratched all off, whatever. But in my head... These coincided with rock and wrestling because the look of the figures very much reflects the the animation style of Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling cartoon, but they actually came much later than that cartoon. Yeah, but you're right. They they really do. The the Roddy especially. The Roddy and the Hogan, I can really see that. Yeah, I, and, and for years I thought that they were the direct spawn of that cartoon, but Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling oh. was, what, 84 or something, 84, 85, and uh, yeah. these were coming out in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, they it's probably just fans, you know, that worked for Hasbro that liked the cartoon <laughs> or or you know, it was just uh hey kids like that cartoon, let's base, you know, use that as a platform. But how wild is it um and and I I, I would be interested in both of your input on this that for years the WWF figure line, you know, looking at the modern figure line, these realistic figures that that have this new scanning technology, and now we're getting likenesses that really look like the wrestlers, but for years, these cartoony little plastic figures with very gimmicky action features were the core of WWF's presence in the action figure aisle. Uh, that's so funny to me that that, that was the case. Uh Rich, what was your engagement level with this line, or what is it? Well, it was sort of uh, a little later. I mean, I think uh, I think just like a year or two had went by, and I worked at a flea market, and uh, he he did uh, he sold toys and comics and all that. So I got a lot from him, and I saw a lot come through there, uh, just like the LJNs. Uh, but the Hasbro line, it, it's just incredible. And I think part of it is that they look like cartoons. And 90% of them 
were were great likenesses. I mean, there's just some absolutely perfect figures in that line that will never be beat. Uh, I love the Sergeant Slaughter. It's one of my favorite figures. Uh, I just love the look of it, and I think it's perfect. But um, it's it's just hard not to just love this line. I mean, so much that it came back. Yeah, yeah. Mattel has been doing retro style versions. Well, they've been doing classic wrestlers that were released as part of this line, but they've yep. also been doing Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and New Day, which it's driving me crazy that I haven't found New Day yet. Uh, I miss that whole line in the store, like well, Macho every, I think, and New Day. I think nobody... everybody did. From what Ugh. I understand, they all went straight to like Five Below and TJ Maxx and Ross. It's so dumb. Uh, <laughs> no, they actually have had uh, that set in my local Target, but only one Target. In fact, I think there's still a Kofi Kingston on the shelf. Oh my gosh, that's wild. But with those, I found the New Day on Amazon. But Macho Man never got listed on Amazon through Amazon. It was always through a third party, you know, with scalper-level prices. Right, right, right. And so I did not complete the set until I found Macho Man at Target right around Christmas time. And I know some Five Belows, Richard and I had talked about this before, were actually getting that wave in. My Five Below got in the wave with Ric Flair, Finn Balor, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens, which that was the wave after the Macho Man New Day wave, and now that same wave is sitting for full price of twelve ninety nine in Target, a mere mile away from the five below that I found them at multiple times. Uh, Mattel's distribution has always been very, very questionable, um, because now you know with those two waves, some having gone to regular retail, some having gone to discount stores. But now I've found the latest wave, which is uh, Chris Jericho, Sheamus, Shawn Michaels. Oh, gosh, yep. I can't um, Kurt Angle. Chris, Kurt Angle. Yeah, Kurt Angle, yeah. Uh, I've, I've seen in literally every Walmart I go to. Yep, every Walmart around here, the two that I go to, are they have tons of them. And, yep, and, those ones are out in the Walmart, and the latest set with Braun Strowman is available on Amazon right now. Yeah, okay. they're, but they're like thirteen ninety nine, I think, which is... Yeah, they're full price. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a little bit because I think in the store they're eleven ninety nine, and I realize two dollars if you actually want the figure is not a huge deal. <laughs> but I still have a little bit of old school toy hunter in me. Yeah, I know. Sure. So I, I balk at that, but uh, but yeah, I've I've loved that the Mattel is is doing this style again. Uh, and as far as those figures go, they're generally very easy to get you you can still find them in thrift stores you can go to toy shows and they're always there they're sort of omnipresent and i guess hasbro just produced tons and tons of these things back in the day the only issue is like with the ljn figures uh you know they're wrestling figures so kids banged them together and beat them up and and you know the paint apps are missing uh you get a rick rude without his mustache (laughs) or whatever the case may be uh but but they're just they're fun, they're simple, and there's just something very appealing about like having Alpha and Sika as just these sort of static, ridiculously overmuscled cartoony figures. Like I just like this style a lot. Again, it's it's that sort of it's a little silly, but they're awesome at the same time. Well, and I think it's easier to have figures that aren't 
accurate. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we, it, we can yeah. be so critical if it doesn't look exactly like them, if they're claiming it's a real face scan or what, whatever. Yeah. So with these little figures, if we just think, oh, they're cartoons, it doesn't matter what they look like, unless you base it off the Ric Flair, which is terrible. Um, the craziest eyebrows you'll ever see on the... Uh, <laughs> The, origi- yeah, the original yeah, yeah. Ric Flair is a nightmare. Like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> yeah, but, but, uh, but as long as you can look at it and go, oh, that's well, yeah. how Jim Duggan. It's true. And that, that I mean, and some of them are just perfect. I mean, they really are. That hacksaw is great. And the accessories, they came with accessories. I mean, you got both demolition. Actually, you got all three. All three you got yeah. you even got crush. And you got the demolition mass as well, which is something LJN never did as far as they never um released Smash, right? Yeah, they only did Demolition X. He was yeah. he was a one off because you know the line got cancelled before they could continue. And Hasbro came not that long after LJN ended because they were still selling the back stock of figures in PWI in 1989 magazines when Hasbro picked up the license and started releasing figures in 1989 because it was for Christmas of 89 when my grandmother ordered the gift set from the JCPenney catalog of the Hasbro ring, which came with Macho Man and Hulk Hogan from Series 1. Oh, man, I, I miss the, the JCPenney and Me Sears too. exclusives. Yes. That you'd, yep. go in the, you'd go in the wish book, and not only would there be, like, all the toys you ever wanted, but then they'd have crazy special stuff that <laughs> might be just special gift sets, but might be recolored. Like, I remember they did uh, from G.I. Joe the His Tank and the Asp in, like, Crimson Guard Red. And that was a Sears exclusive, and it's the only way you could get it. Like, there was all kinds of cool stuff like that. And actually, now that I've said that, I feel like there were some Sears Wishbook exclusive uh, Hasbro WWF figures. Like, that maybe had slightly different paint jobs or something. I uh, I should have done more research, you guys. <laughs> well, well, I know there's some, some mail-ins, but so yeah. Yeah, we had, we had a bunch of those at Figures Toy Company because... You know, I, I love the Hasbro figures. It's one of my favorite toy lines overall to collect. I could actually tell you in order the figures from Series 1 that my grandmother got from me just because of how hyped I was for it. Oh, that's and fantastic. With Hasbro being a local company, you know, not only were they in the national chains, but they were in local stores too, local pharmacies and whatnot. And going a little further to when I realized what Figures Toy Company was and started working there... And I've probably mentioned this on this podcast before. I know I've talked about it on our friend Fully Posable podcast. But it was a Hasbro figure that led to me getting hired at Figures Toy Company. Because in 1999, my friend was going to flea markets and going to thrift stores and things that we've just talked about over the last few minutes. And the last set of Hasbro, the green card set, was considered the rarest. And he found out that Figures Toy Company, a.k.a. Figures, Inc., was selling several of them through their mail-order catalog, and he ordered the Yokozuna, and I took him to go pick it up since we found out that FTC was local and had a warehouse nearby. And when I took him to get that figure, that brought me to meet the owner of FTC, which brought on a conversation which led to me getting hired. So I actually have WWF Hasbro to thank for my career in the toy industry. Wow, that is awesome. (laughs) Oh, man, it's crazy how that kind of thing can happen. That, like... For anybody out there that's listening, you never know when a connection is going to be made when 
you're going to meet someone or be in a situation that's going to change your life forever, which is a good reason to always be putting your best foot forward and and being your best you. But uh, if we can move off of the inspirational speeches <laughs> for a moment. Uh, so those are two of the earliest lines uh, that I think pretty much any wrestling fan is certainly aware of. Uh, I shortly after discovering those lovely grab bags full of Hasbro WWF figures got big into the, around 90 well it was 96 because Bash of the Beach the Hogan turn is when I got fully invested in wrestling again I was living in an apartment with three other people who were we would tape raw we would watch Nitro live, and as soon as Nitro was over, we would watch Raw. Now, sometime around then, I became aware of Jack Pacific's bone crunching. Was it bone crunching or bone crushing? Crunching. Bone crunching. Crunching. I became aware of Jack Pacific's bone crunching action figures. Uh. I bought a Stone Cold Steve Austin just because he was the coolest person on the planet at the time. But it was this rubber figure with the kind of goofy likeness, and it just didn't really do anything for me. And at that point, I was aware of Jack Pacific's figures, but I really wasn't interested in collecting them. Uh were you guys at this point in time, and, and I couldn't give you specific dates about when Jack Pacific got the WWF license or when they started. I think Bone Crunch in Action, that was their first uh, type of wrestling figure, though, wasn't it? it? Yeah, yeah, it was the Series 1, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love Jax, and I love this line. Uh, it wasn't great, but... It was all we had, and they weren't shy about releasing them as time went on. But the first series is actually, I think, really good. I mean, the Ultimate Warrior out of that series, I really like. And to those that don't know, it was bone crunching because the joints and the elbow and the knees, they kind of popped. They had these air, like, they had these holes in them, and so you could, like, so it wasn't really like a bone crunch. It was more like a toothpick snapping well old, so older wiser me <laughs> appreciates this technology now <laughs> because it's actually like a rubber skin over this armature yeah that that has in the elbow what well, the elbows and the knees right mm -hmm. and there's like a i guess there has to be a joint there like a ratchet joint right yeah, I mean, it was some, in some way, yeah, they, the elbows and the knees did not bend at all, except for just, like, Well, they bent, but just they didn't a bit. stay there. Yeah, yeah, they, <laughs> they bent so you could make that sound right, back right, and right. forth. <laughs> but, but they did have, uh, they had uh, joints at the hips, like V-joints or what, whatever, and then mm -hmm. the shoulders swiveled, and then they had a neck joint, so they did have, like, five points of articulation, uh, and... You know, you looking at them, they were technically better than the LJN figures because you could get more wrestling poses out of them. With the, they had hard plastic bodies and then rubber arms and legs, so you could you could force them into poses and stuff. 
Yeah, um, one of my favorite things that I own, and I still own it, it's the longest thing I've probably ever kept in my collection because I usually sell or trade or lose or whatever. But the, I think it was Diamond had an exclusive two-pack of Diesel and Razor Ramon. Yes. Who, when these came out, were already in uh, WCW as the NWO. So the funniest part about this is they only stuck Diesel and Razor together because of Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. They, I mean, Diesel and Razor Ramon didn't really cross paths that much in WWF. So they sold this two-pack, and um, I still have it. Uh, it's the only, like I said, it's the only thing I've ever kept as long. And uh, they're, they're good figures. Like, I mean, that first series really is good, I think. Um, so... Uh, I mean, Jax did a lot of questionable stuff too, but I think they they uh, they have some good ones out there. The Godwins are two of my favorites uh, figures, not so much the wrestlers, but um, I found a set of the Godwins and they're great. They're just they're just so I have them propped up on my uh, shelf and they're just so pleasant to look at. They're just because they're kind of that cartoony yeah. way of doing things. You know, they weren't technically accurate and they had goofy expressions but they were close enough well and they've actually got tons of paint apps like the the their overalls are like acid washed looking overalls they've got the and and by the way those godwins would not be released in any way today and you know what's funny is the the godwins that i got are the, I think they were the second released ones where they are wearing rebel flags. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's as shirts. <laughs> one of them, I think one of them has the actual rebel flag shirt under his overalls, and the other one's like slightly different, but they both have the the Confederate flag on them. Yeah, not going to be hitting toy shelves anytime soon. No, and you thought uh, Al Snow was discontinued for right. a reason. Yeah, <laughs> and I I have that figure on the card, Al Snow with head. That's great. Uh Chris, what about 100%. you? What are your what are your uh, memories of that that early Jack specific stuff? I was all in on Jacks. The only I'll, I'll steer the conversation just slightly off track for a second sure. in that as much as I love wrestling, the saddest thing to me was that I had all these different characters, but the characters across the lines didn't match up. So I still had my LJNs, but then I had my Hasbros, oh. but now we've got Jacks. So I couldn't have Ricky the Dragon Steamboat from LJN take on Stone Cold Steve Austin like they were feuding in WCW because they didn't match up well at all. You know, so that was like the one disappointing thing about how all these licenses kept shifting but over time Jax would give us so much Everything. and the bone crunching figures, absolutely and i mean even if you think about the bone crunching figures let alone you know as we get deeper into jacks uh, you know uh, a don Callis jackal figure a dan severn figure you know these are figures that never got touched upon at all to this day i mean yeah they did dan severn in ufc but wrestling wise that's the only way you could get him and it's just amazing to look back at these figures, which were, you know, just mind-blowing in 96 and seeing how far we've come. But back in 96, you know, who would have thought we'd get a modernized Ultimate Warrior or that Diesel and Razor Ramon would be out at the same time their careers are starting to peak? Or, you know, a gold dust action figure, you know, because for about a year in between Hasbro and Jax, all we had were like the little Just Toys Bendoms. 
So it was just great to have these six inch actually playable, actually poseable action figures of the guys that were on TV during an era where wrestling was really starting to get back to the top of the mountain. And if I remember correctly, Goldust even came with a wig, or at least one of the Goldusts came with a wig. The first one did, yep. Okay, okay. So, and I will say this, Jack Specific was, I, I would... I might even say, and I would have to, I would have to sit down and do some research and think about it, but I would say is possibly one of the most innovative toy companies in the history of toy companies because they were always trying new things. They were always upping their game. They were always putting out, you know, the, the bone crunch and action figures were very, very successful. But then they came along with the I cannot remember the name of it but they were the Titantron interactive figures. Yeah, Titantron. Yeah, they were just Titantron. Okay, Titan, yeah. the Titantron live series. And these were the ones that actually had the beginnings of what what I think of today as as Jack specific articulation where they had actual knee joints, uh they had the shoulder joints with the uh I, I don't know the technical term, and you think I would being such a toy guy, but the, the ball-jointed shoulders with the swivel biceps, they had the elbows, they had the turning wrists. Uh, I mean, that, that was a huge step to go from the, the rubber bone-crunching action figures to these Titantron figures, and that's where I started collecting Jack Specific regularly, and I bought that Titantron stage and I bought that Stone Cold Steve Austin wearing the jeans. <laughs> Why they released the one in the long jeans first, I'll never understand. Uh, <laughs> but man, what what innovators those guys were. Yeah, I wasn't so much into the that line for some reason. It was just that period of time where I wasn't really collecting them as much. Um but uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, and also want to point out that the Mar- uh, something else that couldn't have happened is Marlena. It comes with a cigar, so that's something yeah, else that you're probably right. would not you're happen right. nowadays. Well, um, I was working at uh, well, there were there were two key factors in my becoming so engrossed in that Titantron line. One, I was working at KB Toys at the time. Two, Toy Fair magazine had happened. And I love both of those things, by the way. Baby toys and Toy Fair are just the best. Oh, absolutely. And Toy Fair covered that Titantron, that first wave of Titantron figures, was in an issue of Toy Fair magazine. And I believe it was even on the cover. And it was a huge deal. And at this point, I was fully immersed into professional wrestling perhaps as much as i've ever been because it was 97 or 98 maybe chris do you have a year for those guys the titantron figure started in 99 oh 99 okay so 99 and that was big time i mean i was way in at that point uh and i just wanted anything so those titantron figures which were articulated not the best articulation but but you know, better than the rubber guys. And, uh, I mean, that at that point, that was when I got all in on the Jax figures to the point where I was buying the older Bone Crunch and stuff 
from KB where I was working because there was a three pack that I bought. Uh, gosh, now that I'm thinking back, okay, so Jax did a line of higher end. Uh, they did Mankind and Undertaker. I've actually oh the statue, the ripped yes. and ruthless, the giant. Yep. Yeah, what ripped were the, and ruthless. Were they ruthless aggression? Is that what those were? No. Were it were the statue ones that didn't move? Well, they had they had like the five points of articulation. Yeah, but they were very much. But they had they like a background, on, and they, they were, were in like shaped boxes. Yeah, yeah, and they were screwed into a base. Yes, yep, that's the ripped and ruthless. Ripped and ruthless. Yes, yes, that's right. And they did Undertaker and Mankind, and obviously, they, I'm sure they did Stone Cold. But I, I bought Undertaker and Mankind because those figures, to this day, those are some of my favorite Undertaker and Mankind figures. Uh, and then they, they had a three pack. I think it was the bone crunching action of the three faces of Foley. Yep. Yes. Yep. That had the mankind that was, I think, one of the only bone crunching action figures to feature a joint because his uh, his elbow had a joint in it, uh, uh, a uh, pivot, just a pivot. So he could do the uh, mandible claw. Oh, hmm. He uh, he was one of the only ones, but there, yeah, it was uh, mankind, dude, love, and cactus Jack. And I just I was all in. And at that point, I was like, man, Jack's Pacific is the shit. I love them. And uh, what else? Stomp. Do you guys remember Stomp? Stomp. Yep. Series yeah, one, was which was the like the. Yep, yep, the With, Commando series. Yeah, and they series... had the snap-on armor, the crazy <laughs> yep. sable figure with, like, the outer space armor. Well, those were different series. So the first one was more like a military commando set. And then the second series was an underwater set. And then the third series was outer space. Oh, yeah, wow, okay, the okay. The militant farmer yeah. on the... The militant farmer and the Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love the the space the WWE space uh, combination. I'm all in. They they need to make this now. They need to make an I animated would, movie of that. Yeah, I would love the space stuff like that. That that line is really cool. Uh, Stomp the second series. Uh, Owen Hart, you know, um, died around this time and. He doesn't have that many figures. He has a few, but one of them is in Stomp Series 2. And, of course, they did release a Blue Blazer, which I do own still. I do as well, and actually I'm looking at it on my wall right now, that beautiful That's... Blue Blazer with the fabric cape with the furry yep. trim on it. Yeah, it's, it's... it's up on my wall right now. So I got a great story about that. So uh, it's when I worked at the flea market, and this lady that sold mainly NASCAR stuff, um, she had a blue blazer there for for a long time. I mean, it just sat there and sat there. And so, unfortunately, when Owen Hart passed that next Saturday, I was like, I wonder if she still has that because it was a kind of a tough figure to find. Yeah, and even before he passed, yes. like it wasn't a, a a huge release. Like it it wasn't easy to find. Yeah, so the next Saturday, I get there when she opens her booth, and I asked to buy it. And uh, she sold it to me, and after I paid for it, I was like, oh, I'm glad I got this. He's the one that died last week. <laughs> and then she was like, oh, if I had no, because she was one of those kind of, she would have raised the price 40 sure. bucks. Well, and that's what you know? happened, though, is, <laughs> yep. is yeah. you, because in that time period, 
there were toy stores oriented towards collectors everywhere. You know, now it's weird to think of because really all we have now is Target, Walmart, and like Amazon and Big Bag Toy Store or whatever. Uh, But, you know, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, there were independently owned toy stores all over the place that were marketing to collectors that were carrying everything from the current Star Wars to comic book figures to stuff they ordered from previews to whatever to wrestling figures. These are the people that would go to Toys R Us and buy up all the stock before you could get to it. Uh, But these little independent toy stores were all over the place, and one week that Blue Blazer figure would be on the peg with every other Jack-specific figure for, you know, five to ten bucks, whatever it was, and then the next week after, was it No Mercy? Uh, Over the Edge. Over Over the the Edge. edge. Unfortunately. The week after Over the Edge, all of a sudden that Blue Blazer, you know, in certain stores was like 60 bucks. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, uh, yeah, that, I mean, Jax is really impressive, and and real quick before we move on to, to our next recollection because honestly we could do a whole episode just about jack specific and their contribution not only it went to, on so long yeah absolutely because it went from those bone crunch uh, bone crunch in action all the way up to their wwf class or wwe classic figures uh that that the deluxe figures that i've i've got several of those on the wall as well i've got one signed by kevin nash one signed by sergeant slaughter uh, my absolute favorite wrestling figure that I own, a William Regal Ruthless Aggression figure that came with the die-cast gold belt. Yes, um, yep, the 100. Yeah, I, I, my, my favorite wrestling figure, my favorite wrestling figure of my favorite wrestler ever. Uh, but I'm curious to know from you guys, out of the Jack-specific stuff, do you have a favorite line or a favorite figure uh, from from what they did, or both. Oh yeah, I mean, I love I love Jacks overall. From seeing those figures, like I said, you know, at the time I'm in high school or getting older, where I'm you know independently wealthy and working and have something new to blow my money on, but all the way up through you know my career at Figures Toy Company and getting to actually you know I actually get to do exclusives with Jacks for FTC. So there's a lot of limited edition packs out there that. I created because they were limited run sold through FTC. There's a Jeff Hardy, Bret Hart classic superstars two pack, which was a dream match two pack that I got to do because it was when Jeff Hardy was the intercontinental champion. So we packaged the old style belt with Brett and the oh. new style belt with Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. They were both famous for ladder matches at various points. So, you know, that was really cool to be able to do that. But I think that, the ruthless aggression and the classic superstars to this day is such an extensive roster of people that we will maybe never ever get to see done through Mattel or in the Mattel style. You know, everybody prides themselves on thinking that Mattel is the greatest and they're certainly doing some great work, but I don't see Mattel being in a rush to make a Zeus figure or a Tank Abbott. Right. Right. Any of those, you know, Jax was so offbeat with their selection sometimes, but it really worked if you're a diehard collector and want as many faces as possible. And one of my favorite sets of all time is my favorite two wrestlers of all time, my favorite tag team of all time, 
And it was a set that was only sold in Toys R Us. And it was a classic Superstars 2-pack of Brian Pillman and Stone Cold Steve Austin, but as Steve Austin with the hair as the Hollywood Blondes. And that is the only time we've gotten anything resembling a stunning Steve Austin figure to this day. Yeah, Jack's dug really deep with that classics line. And it's funny because every time you thought, man, they really couldn't pull anybody, I don't want to say obscure, but anybody more surprising out, they would sign some new talent and put out, like you said, Dan Severn. At that, at the point they released a Dan Severn figure, there was not exactly a huge uh, uh, percentage of the population clamoring for a Dan the Beast <laughs> Severn figure. We got a Steve Blackman figure too. Well, hang we on, several. Steve Blackman is know, one of the I... greatest professional wrestlers of all time. You just watch yourself, buddy boy. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, Jack's really... Yeah. Mattel's doing a good job. But Jack's It's a different Pacific, time. It's a different time now. Well, you know, it's a they different time, but Jack Specific, they got it, man. They, they were very clearly fans. They knew not just the business, but the history of the business. And they did just some amazing stuff. Like, we're, I don't think we're, because we got a Bruiser Brody from them, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yeah. We're not going to get a Bruiser Brody from Mattel. We're just not. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. Uh, we can't even get a gobbledygooker that they actually showed one time. Right. And we're certainly <laughs> I mean, not you know, going to get a Yete. Although yeah. I don't think anybody's done a Yete. So <laughs> maybe, maybe that's too tall in order. Um, one of my favorite things from Jack's before we get off the subject was the box sets. You know, they do box sets now, but they're usually just like a straight shot. Like they're all the, all the figures are just in a line or whatever. But some of those box sets, like you mentioned, the faces of Foley. Yeah. Uh, I remember a buried alive box set that is just gorgeous. The packaging is beautiful. The way they package stuff is, was great. And, uh, I just really, really, their box sets were some of my favorites. And unfortunately, I don't, have any anymore but i've wanted to get that buried alive set um i don't know how expensive it is now but it was at one time it was a couple hundred dollars but i don't know if it's gone down or raising up because a lot of those figures like i love them but you know there's a certain collector that doesn't like them that don't like the jacks figures especially that early stuff um because they're not you know accurate or whatever so uh you know, it, it's a weird market out there. Well, I had, and, and look, I, I, there are all kinds of, of toy mistakes I've made in my life that I'm still kicking myself for to this day. Uh, I had a probably eight foot by six foot section of my wall that was all Jack's classic superstars. Right. And the prices just kept going up and I finally ended up just selling most of them on eBay. And I, I, I I made a shit ton of money off of those things, but at the same time now I don't have them. And and I kind of wish I did. I kept a few, like I said, I've got some signed ones. I've got a signed Roddy Piper. 
uh, that wow. Kev- that Kevin Nash I've got signed. I've got, I've got a few that I kept. I've got a dude love. Uh, but man, I, just thinking about how nice that collection looked pinned up on the wall because they were all. I mean, that packaging was gorgeous. That gold foil on the top, uh, just the the shape of it, and they all they kept the design throughout the line so the 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 packaging didn't change style or shape or look so if you collected from the first figure to the last figure they all go together so as a big display on the wall they look fantastic uh but i mean it really was just an amazing line and 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 chris as you mentioned earlier they they did the ljn reissues or not reissues but the ljn style figures that just Mm -hmm. looked awesome uh, just really an impressive line. My personal favorite releases from Jax, though, and I still have every single one of them that I bought, are the Maximum Sweat figures. <laughs> do you fill them up with water every now and then? <laughs> I absolutely do. And the funny thing about them, and, and uh, you obviously, Rich and Chris, you guys know this, but for the listeners... Um, the Jack Specific Maximum Sweat figures are these big, super deformed versions of the Attitude Era wrestlers. Road Dog, Stone Cold, Kane, Undertaker, Billy Gunn, Mankind. Um, I-, I could go on. I've, I've got a couple dozen of them. But the original concept for these, I, I can't remember the name, but they were going to... Oh. They were going to bleed. And they were going to include a little capsule of red liquid. And these figures have a, uh, in, in their backs, they have a little plug that you open up. And you can put liquid in them. And they sort of ooze this liquid out of their foreheads. And the idea was that they would bleed. But Jack Specific probably wisely realized that bleeding action figures maybe wouldn't go over so well with mom and dad. So they changed the line to maximum sweat. So instead you just put water in the figures and they, they sweat and it, and it works. It's fine. It's a fun gimmick. It's great. But I really just love the crazy look of these figures with their, they look like, uh, if you're familiar with, uh, the Sam Keith comic, the max, these figures look like wrestler versions of the Max with these giant feet, giant hands, really weird, like little heads, super deformed, giant bodies. Uh, I, I love this line because it's such a bizarre concept, and what it's rooted in is just so absolutely gruesome and so attitude era. Uh, do you, you guys remember these figures in this gimmick, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I never got into it, um, but I did hear the rumor that they were supposed to bleed and and they uh, chose not to. So uh, that's a fun little behind-the-scenes thing. Uh, Chris, do you mean, have any more insight into those guys? I mean, they were the perfect figures to have if you wanted to reenact an interrogation scene and have them be a suspect who's uh, getting a little <laughs> hot under the collar. <laughs> well, and what's so funny about it is they have that really cool exaggerated artistic looks so they're almost these like 
you know, in this day and age, people are familiar with collectible vinyl toys that, that have exaggerated features or really weird looks to them. And these are those, but they also have this wacky action figure where you put a liquid in them and it oozes out in various places. And I, I just, I love that line. And it's just one example of the many wild things that Jack's uh, experimented with o- over their time with the WWF license. Before we move on, is there any more Jack specific stuff that you guys remember that you want to bring up? I mean, the ruthless aggression line kind of went hand in hand with the classic superstars. So it was uh, almost this universal molding and, and tooling the body type to where the modern roster went along with all the you know previous talents and all the classic guys that we were seeing. And that's why to this day, you know, that was the inspiration for the revival of FTC's wrestling figures is because as much as Mattel's doing some pretty nice work, you know, like we said earlier, they're just not going to match up with the roster that Jax had, both with the modern talent at the time going through the 2000s and all the guys they had in the classic line. And sure, there's going to be guys that are missed in both lines. You're not going to have a completely perfect roster. But you had John Cena and Randy Orton and when Jeff Hardy returned and, you know, Hornswoggle and Colin Delaney and CM Punk and basically just guys from every era represented and then you had your Hogan's and Dude Loves and Ken Shamrock's and D'Lo Brown's and everybody done through the classic line. It's just, you know, if you're playing with them, you can make all these dream matches. If you're collecting them, they look great standing up next to each other. They look great on a wall. It's just such a good job that they did. And, you know, they had their offbeat releases early on and their weird exclusives or, you know, their wackiness like Maximum Sweat. But I think overall, Jax was definitely more hit than Miss. Yeah, I would agree with that. And and that Ruthless Aggression line is where I got fully invested into what Jax Pacific was doing. I mean, I, I was buying every single... I was buying people that I wasn't even necessarily into because also at the time, I was as deep into the wrestling video games as I've ever been. Because we were getting SmackDown versus Raw um, and, and all of these incredible wrestling games. And me and my friends were, on a regular basis, uh, sort of fantasy booking via these video games. And I loved having figures of everybody that was current at the time. So even if I didn't necessarily love a wrestler, like I've never been a fan of Randy Orton. But I had a Randy Orton figure because we used him in the roster that we were doing our fantasy booking with. And at the time, back when I back back when I had a lot more free time in my life, I was doing custom figures because one of the great things about the Ruthless Aggression is they had a sort of a set number of bucks that they used. Uh so I was creating, I made a custom CM Punk. I made a custom Samoa Joe. I had a custom, you know, at the time TNA, we were watching uh, TNA from 2002. We watched the third Wednesday night pay-per-view and then on from there with TNA. So I was making a custom Petey Williams and Bobby Roode and like all of these guys. I, I had to make little fabric shorts for my CM Punk figure. Uh, and you could get a buck for just about anybody from these Ruthless Aggression figures. 
and find a head that like kind of fit in. I can't remember who I used for CM Punk. I want to say it might have been like a Billy Kidman head or something like that. But uh, I was deep, deep into Ruthless Aggression. I, I had a full wall of those figures loose, like ready to go with the ring. And I remember the first time Jax put out that real scale ring, the, the what was it, 20 or 22 inch ring uh, with the fabric. Yeah, the WrestleMania ring. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The first one they did was the classic one, the classic WrestleMania ring. They did that before they did the Raw ring, if I remember correctly. But it, it had the fabric turnbuckles with the little foam pads inside. It had the springy ropes. It had the apron. Uh, and even though at that point I'm you know well into my 20s or whatever, everybody I knew, all my friends came over, and we were sitting there playing with that real-scale ring for like a full night, drinking beer, throwing figures in that ring and having matches. It was amazing. And that's like, like I said, Jax really understood the sport and the fans and were just delivering on every level at that time. And I'm glad you brought up TNA too, before we get off the Jax path, because when Mattel took over for WWE, Jax took over TNA. But before we get to that, we have to talk about Toy Biz's run with WCW and then with TNA. That's true. Because uh, Toy Biz was huge with Marvel Legends. That mm-hmm. was that was the line. And they picked up the WCW license and released some really bizarrely scaled but well-articulated figures. You would have a Diamond Dallas Page that was five and a half inches tall and a Billy Kidman that was 6.2 inches tall. Uh, and a Rey Mysterio that was like a, an inch tall because it came with like a Kevin Yes, yes Ray was a prop. Yes. Ray was a lawn dart to reenact Kevin Nash throwing Ray at the side of the WCW production trailer. Uh, but yeah, that what a bizarre. Let's talk about that a little bit. Toy Biz's WCW line. Um, I feel like they came at it very much from a we make comic book toys, and now we're going to make comic book toys of wrestlers. Yeah, mm-hmm. because it. It. I feel like right as they lost that WCW license is when they were starting to hit the stride and understand what they were doing because uh, the. The the initial releases from Toy Biz were just insane. That like there's a great Scott Hall, there's a great Kevin Nash, but then there's a Bret Hart that has entirely different articulation and aesthetics that doesn't even make sense. Well, and they did the same thing that Jax did with like the Stomp series with the Ringmasters. Yes, Do you remember those? Well, so you had like actual hand. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and Chris Jericho was a lion tamer. Uh, it, circus props. Well, and yeah. then they had the ones that had the magnets in their fists. I hated those. Oh, they were I terrible. Hated those. They were terrible. But that's the only way you could get. Yes. Dame, uh, that's the only way you could get uh, Dean Malenko for a while. And at the time, that's Dean true. Malenko was one of my favorite guys. 
But, you know, I mean, I say it was terrible, but for toys, they were probably really cool. Like, I mean, you could flip the people. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, there's I something know. about it. Like, When I was a kid, I would get annoyed when things didn't gimmicks. scale up right and when things had unnecessary gimmicks. Um, but Toy Biz essentially threw everything they could at the wall. That's true. Because they, they did a line that each came with a piece of the ring. Uh, they did the ring that had, and I still have this ring uh, in my storage room, as a matter of fact. It's a plastic ring. It has a fabric square in the middle. And when you slam a figure on that fabric square, it goes, oh! Mm-hmm. <laughs> or if you hold the figure down, it does like a one, two, three, ding, ding, ding. That's the Nitro <laughs> ring. It's the WCW Nitro ring. And it's like, if it was to scale, it would be like a six foot by six foot ring. But, uh, yeah, WCW got that, uh, or Toby has got that WCW license and released some really wild stuff, but some of it worked, some of it did not. And then, uh, eventually, WCW just sort of died, and I guess that was the point where Toy Biz took the TNA license? Toy Biz didn't take TNA until about a year into TNA's run, like 2003-2004. So there was, there was some gap there, but Toy Biz, I mean, Toy Biz had some wacky WCW stuff, but they also had some pretty great WCW stuff. I mean, they made a Disco Inferno with a Disco pointer finger hand so he could actually do his right. entrance talk. And I think their Bam Bam Bigelow was a great figure. They made yes. a Dennis Rodman. I mean, you know, San Francisco Toymaker had done him earlier. But those figures were pretty much kind of a flop. Oh, San Francisco Toymakers. The uh, okay. So for WCW. Uh, they were the vibrating figures. Yes. But mm-hmm. then later on, they got the ECW license, and those are actually pretty good I figures. I love them. I, w- I had every one of them, and yep. I no longer do, and I hate it. I hate it. I love those figures so much, especially the later ones, you know, when you got uh, uh, oh, Axel, uh, yeah, Axel and Balls Mahoney and... Well, Taz was first series, but yeah, you got a lot of cool ones. Well, the only later on, the only figure I've got from uh, that ECW line is Shane Douglas because he's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, at the time, I thought this is probably the only way I'm ever going to get a Shane Douglas figure. Although I think, did Toy Biz release a, a WCW Shane Douglas? They did towards the end in the Unleashed series. Was that the same uh, one Vampiro was in? Vampiro and Mike Awesome were in Unleashed, but they were also... So Mike Awesome and Vampiro were released in KB Toy Stores around the U.S. Shane, I never saw in the store. I know a lot of people found him overseas at first. Okay. They, they did him towards the end, and it was such a limited release that he didn't even realize it had come out. <laughs> because he brought that up when we signed him for Figures Toy Company, and we were talking about his figure at one point, and he said that that last figure, the WCW one, he didn't even realize it ever got released because of the timing of when WCW went under and seeing that figure come out. Oh, wow, that's wild. And actually, I had a similar experience with... Uh 
when I the the one time that I very briefly met Bruce Campbell, uh, I brought the the eighteen inch scale Ash figure that McFarlane Toys produced for mm-hmm. him to sign, and he goes, "Wow, I haven't even seen this yet." <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> that's funny. So uh, can can we take a minute and talk about the Perry Saturn that came in a dress, like a leather dress oh, from Toy Biz? Oh, I had it. Yes, it was a great. I love the gimmick first off, and but second off, I love the figure as well. And those figures came with like crazy accessories, like huge yeah. dumpsters and like just crazy things. The Rick Steiner that came with like a gargoyle gremlin thing. <laughs> well, yes. that was the yeah, that was and part of the well, ring. And the le- but he had the leather jacket too. Like yes. they had mm-hmm. appropriate stuff for the figure. Um, cause they did the first DDP they did was one of those stupid magnetic figures, but then yeah. later on they did a pretty good DDP with the jeans on and the, the, the shirt and like, uh, it's almost like toy biz sort of course corrected as the line went on. Like they realized people kind of just wanted articulation and, and good figures and the paint I apps, want... the paint apps are crazy on those things by modern yeah. standards. I wanted a Mortis and Glacier figure so bad, and I still do, because <laughs> they would be great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would love to see those. Those would be awesome. Uh, so, Toy Biz had a, a, a really weird but fun run with WCW. Uh, we had about a year gap, and they moved on to TNA, and, and I'm just going to point out that uh, I bought every single one because like i said we were way into tna when it started i bought all of toy biz's tna releases and i actually have a two-pack of christopher daniels and homicide signed by christopher daniels and homicide nice one of my yeah we we got uh because they had the first bound for glory pay-per-view was here in atlanta and they had a massive like fan event prior to the pay-per-view or the day before the pay-per-view. And I brought uh, I brought that set to get signed by those guys and met basically everybody that was on the TNA roster at the time at that event. And it was I, I talked to Samoa Joe for a good half hour about wrestling video games. And it's That's crazy awesome. to me now that... Because that, at the time, I just thought he was a badass wrestler, but now... He's Samoa Joe, you know what I mean? Like, he he came to TNA and I didn't know who he was. I just thought he was a badass. He was cool. Uh, But so they they got the TNA license, and the scaling was still really bad for some of those because there's an AJ Styles figure that would be, like, eight feet tall in real life. Uh, (laughs) But they look great. They had crazy paint apps. They had lots of articulation. They were really strong, like visually very good figures but when you compare them to each other maybe didn't work so well and then that after that tna line that was kind of the end of toy biz and then we move on to jack specific getting the tna line which you guys are probably going to be able to talk about a whole lot better than i can well the tna uh when jacks took over the main focus at this point was they were deluxe impact so WWE had made those deluxe classics and deluxe aggression, which were mainly Toys R Us exclusive figures. They weren't really widespread. Right. So now you had TNA figures that 
didn't coincide with as many of the WWE stars. And it was funny because as the license went on, not too long into it, but they started kind of going backwards in the sense where they started doing Ruthless Impact, which was almost the TNA exclusive set, but it was the set that would match up perfectly to all those former WWE releases. So while everything did kind of fit in with the previous molds, it was just kind of a weird way that they went about it because you kind of started with doing a set, trying to, I guess, maybe make you know, a more modern style, thinking that the Deluxe Classic was going to be the way to go because that was the way they were making the UFC figures at the time. But if you're a collector who backtracks, like we mentioned before, it's not really falling in line with many in your collection. And then they did sprinkle in some of the Ruthless style impact figures. And, you know, they got a lot of names out there, a lot of figures that eventually started going for big money when the license ended and everything. I mean, you got the Motor City Machine Guns. Right. You got Your Money, uh, Team 3D, you got Abyss. You know, a lot of guys that had been made in Toy Biz as well. But now people are thinking, hey, you know, we're piggybacking off of the popularity of Jax. So this is even better than some of those, you know, mid-2000s Toy Biz figures. And, you know, they could have done some really awesome things, I think, if they had continued with the license. But I feel like it was a combination of TNA faltering with all their, you know, flaws and mistakes and mishaps on a business level. And Jack's not really doing much for production and distribution because by the time the license was ending, they were only releasing like two or three figures at a time. I think the last wave or the next to last wave was a uh, Mr. Kennedy or you know Mr. Anderson at that point and an Angelina Love. I think that was an actual series. It was just those two. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, yeah. And that's they did, very few and far between. That's a really you good know, they, point, because the Motor City Machine Guns are one of my favorite tag teams of all time. But if I want figures of them, that's the only way to get them. Well, you could always get the Toy Biz versions. They were just sold separately. Did they do mm-hmm. Alex they did Shelley, Chris, I know they, they did, did Saban. Chris did one later on. They did a Chris Saban by himself early on. Then they did him in a two-pack with Kevin Nash. And then Alex Shelley was in series... Six. So at this point, they were like uh, yellow cards, mm-hmm. and it was when they did like Alex Shelley, Petey Williams. They did Eric Young in his babyface gimmick with the "Don't Fire Eric" T-shirt, and then in the Team Canada tights. So they were like some running changes and variants done. They did two Bobby Roods. They did the Bobby Rude with the plastic robe, uh, the black robe that Terry Taylor had given him, and also in his Team Canada gear. They did one of the naturals. They were getting pretty deep towards the end. See, I know yeah. I had the Sabin, yeah. but I didn't remember ever seeing an Alex Shelley. Yeah, he yep. came with a tripod because mm-hmm. he was doing the paparazzi gimmick. Oh, my gosh, you're right. That's right. <laughs> and the Jay Lethal out of that series is spectacular. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I remember the Jay Lethal. Um, wow. Yeah, that was, that line was more extensive but- than I remembered. Jax did Devon, but never a Bubba Ray. I know, uh, and that Devon is great. And I remember, I remember the inventory listing towards the end when I was ordering for FTC. And I think the set that never got made, they were going to do a build a figure, and the build a figure was going to be Tracy Brooks, and Hernandez was in the set, and a couple other people. I'll have to backtrack. There's probably information online, and I'm pretty sure. Our friends over at Fully Posable talked about it. But, yeah, they were they had 
more stuff planned that just never came to fruition. And see, I remember the Tracy uh, Tracy Brooks build a figure. Now that you mention it, because I think Toy Fair covered it. Um, and I'm trying to remember they was there a Hernandez figure? I feel like there was. Yep, there was. Okay, there, there was for X, but not for Toy Biz. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but there was a homicide for Toy Biz. Yeah, well, that's because mm-hmm. uh, homicide was one of the initial releases because they did, I think they did a single carded homicide. And they did the two pack that I've got with Homicide and Christopher Daniels. No, that's the only one. Oh, is that the only uh-huh. one they did? Okay. Yeah, it, in the in the beginning waves, they did a Conan with Road Dog. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, because the first couple of two packs, it was like Jarrett and AJ Styles, then Sabu and Raven, and then Conan and Road Dog, or Conan and Truth. Because the first waves were. A lot of new, you know, they did Jarrett and Raven, and they did Sabu. But then you got Abyss, AJ Styles, Monty Brown, Chris Saban. Monty Brown, oh my gosh, the Alpha Male, yes, yeah. also known as Marcus Corvon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. by Jack, the ECW line. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's wild. Okay, so it's funny when Little Zach first started getting into the wrestling figures, and he was looking for new guys to play with. Uh, you know, I have sadly sold off a couple, more than a couple of my figures because of a failed almost marriage about 10 years ago with uh, an evil ex who took me for a ride financially. But that's oh, a man. whole other story for yeah. podcast. So I, I've been my there. Quick, uh, quickest way to recoup was to sell off a lot of the stuff that I got gifted to me through my job at FTC. But there were some random things still lingering at my parents' house and whatnot. And I was down in the basement one day, and I had a Monty Brown Minton card. And, you know, there's not a lot of value in some figures, and <laughs> Zach wanted to play with. And he has a Monty Brown and knows who Monty Brown is because Monty Brown was one of his first wrestling figures. That's funny. And the funniest thing about it, and this actually happened earlier tonight before we started recording, but he was doing D'Lo Brown's taunt, doing the, you're looking at the real deal now, yes. and Bob and his but he kept calling himself Monty Brown because he was trying to spear me down. So he was trying to do the pounce, and he just he you know uh, cross references D'Lo Brown and Monty Brown, and it's just like one of the funniest things to see him do. Oh man, and I, I'll tell you, I need a good D'Lo Brown figure. My gosh, I love D'Lo. Um, yeah, it's funny because my uh, my son not super into wrestling, but. He has a ton of my old wrestling figures that he uses as goons for, like, Batman and whatever. And one of his favorites is the Jax Deluxe uh, Bobby Lashley figure. Because he's just a huge, muscular, scary-looking dude. So he's always, like, the main goon for, like, the bad guys. Is that Bobby Lashley? Uh, So... That brings us up to we've we've talked about Jack's TNA figures, and I guess right around the same time, uh, Mattel launched their WWE figures. I can't remember what year it was, but I know it was January first was the first day they were on shelves, and they started with. Uh, 
They had a regular line and a Legends or Classics line, right? The Legends line didn't start right away. They did the main line, and they did... It was like a WrestleMania Heritage Series, because Steve Austin was in that series. I'm trying to think of everyone who was in that series. But I remember going out, and I remember some of them had gotten put out locally on New Year's Eve. And the first... I want to say like the first five or six waves of Mattel also had the chase variants that had the belts included. And so people were kind of going nuts looking to see like who was coming with the belt. Um, Because I remember I found the Steve Austin with the belt in the WrestleMania Heritage set and somebody on a forum actually paid me $35 for it. Nice. Like, you know, the the heat coming off of the release of everything and it was you know the thrill of the hunt yeah and... yeah yeah well, it was exciting any any time there's some kind of new launch like that it's it's exciting like i love new toy line launches it's it's a cool thing absolutely so let's you know we all know that mattel has in in mainstream markets mattel is is it right now uh, and they're doing perfectly good, cool stuff. And, and I've actually been impressed with some of the sets they've done, like the recent uh, Kurt Angle milk truck set that they did. Uh, with, yeah, with, with Stephanie McMahon that looks incredibly inappropriate out of context. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, as you've mentioned a couple of times now, Figures Toy Company is to me carrying on the legacy of what Jax was doing in creating really notable impressive fan oriented stuff uh and and truly high quality figures i still say that delirious is one of the best wrestling figures that's ever been released uh what has been chris what's been your process as far as figuring out what you guys are going to release and, and who you're going to deal with. And, uh, because there's, I feel like there's always some exciting new announcement coming from you guys. Yeah. I mean, I was very fortunate to be given carte blanche over the wrestling stuff. Um, some years back, I mean, even back when we were just kind of handling the WWE stuff, I mentioned earlier, I got to do a lot of exclusives. I got to handle the inventory. Uh, Jax was really cool about breaking up assortments and sending us you know, you know, solid cases or straight cases as they're known. So let's say it was going to be the first Jeff Hardy when he came back in 2006, but we're sitting on five different John Cena's. I could tell Jax, hey, send me 500 of the Jeff Hardy, but we only need about 150 John Cena's, and they would do it. They would not ship uh, a case assortment they would send a case breakdown the way that we needed it so that was kind of my first foray into the action figure world and how that's parlayed into ftc's exclusive lines or the ones that i'm doing personally you know my boss entrusted me with getting the ring of honor license up and running a couple of years ago and we've been very successful with that we actually just renewed it so the figures that were kind of uh in limbo for a little while were able to get released we just released the row to go along with the Hanson that we had released earlier last year. So we've beaten Mattel to the punch on doing the War Raiders because they were War Machine in in our weights before they went to NXT. And we beat them to the punch on Roderick Strong. Uh, We also got Dalton Castle and Matt Taven out. So with 
Ring of Honor, it was always taking a look at the main guys on the roster, which is something I'll be doing in the future. I can tell you guys right now that all, and when I say all, I mean 99.9% of the current Ring of Honor roster that is all under exclusive or full-time ROH contracts have already had pictures taken for the process to begin. I have seen four sculpts so far, but our team is hard at work. There's going to be 25 to 30 new Ring of Honor figures over the next two years. Oh my gosh, so wow. Just just with the Ring of Honor line alone, now that's not to uh, throw to the side the Legends of Professional Wrestling or the Rise and Stars of Wrestling that right, we're doing. Right. The Legends being a continuation of that older set that we had done that predated the Jacks Classic Superstars, which, as an aside that I've mentioned before, we actually voluntarily gave up our original Legends line, which featured the Abdullah the Butcher, the King Kong Bundy. You know, I had done Ricky Steamboat and Eddie Gilbert and so many guys back in the late 90s and early 2000s. But because we were working with WWE and had their license for the belt, when Jax came to us and mentioned they had plans for the classic line, we didn't want to you know, be a competitor to someone that we were working with. And we you know, voluntarily ended the line at that time. So it was really cool to be able to get that back up and running a couple of years back and do it piggybacking on that Jax style to fit in with classic superstars and to fit in with ruthless aggression. So we were able to do a Shane Douglas when he hadn't been made since the dying days of WCW, we were able to parlay our kiss license into doing a kiss demon figure because if there are two fan bases that are willing to go hard on collecting, it is kiss fans and wrestling fans. (laughs) So it's the perfect combination. And with the rising stars of wrestling, you know, I can, well, wait, wait. Before before we move on to Rising Stars, sure. I have to give props for that Jim Cornette figure. Yes. Yes, that is... I wish we were able to do the racket. The tooling on certain pieces just isn't cost-effective for an independent company. Yeah. And, you know, some people might think it doesn't make sense, and I can certainly get that. But I think that's a great figure. And to a lot of collectors, that was a bit of a holy grail because... They had actually done a prototype of him for the TNA Legends line that never came out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's there are it's, a lot of people are looking forward to that. It's freaking Jim Cornette. I mean, regardless of how you feel about him, it's Jim Cornette. Mm-hmm. You got you have to have him. And I wonder if those same people are going to feel the same way with the Vince Russo that's coming out in the future. Oh, get out of here! Yeah, really? Yep, uh, the next Legends line is going to feature Francine of ECW fame. I was able to befriend the brother of Chris Candido, Johnny Candido, who signed off on the estate of his brother for the first Chris Candido figure since the ECW line. Wow. Uh, Vince Russo will be made. Vince Russo has been sculpted, but we haven't revealed it yet. We have shown Candido and Francine. Do, does, Russo and Eric- come, does Russo come with a restraining order? i actually made a joke before we decided to do him for a figure when uh someone on twitter suggested that we do him and cornet actually retweeted this and i said we'd like to but we couldn't keep it in the same warehouse as our cornet figure (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) because that was right around the time all that stuff was breaking. yeah 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 absolutely well i love the fact that cornet was was selling signed restraining orders (laughs) 
if there is money to be made, wrestlers will find a way. Absolutely. It is one of the one of the best things is that they're able to market themselves that way. Absolutely. Um, and there will be a fourth name from the wrestling boom of the mid to late 90s. It's an international star. Uh, we have not revealed him yet. He will be revealed soon. Uh, someone who has not ever been made and someone who has been a real pleasure to deal with. Uh, that secret will probably be uh, getting let out in the next couple of weeks because it's been a while since we've really revealed anything. And then the rising stars of wrestling, which is the line that focuses on the indie talent, uh, or can't even really say indie, I guess maybe free agent is the best way to put it because sure. people are you know cutting so many deals and there's so much going on in wrestling these days. But you know it started with doing about a dozen names and you know we tackled the guys that were going viral and getting those names out there so we did the young bucks and we did gallows in both the standard and the face paint version we did the new japan version of aj styles we did kenny omega uh some of those figures have since sold out some of them are still in stock but it's a line that has continued all the way up until the current day we've got about a dozen excuse me a dozen more in production right now we're doing joey janela we're doing shane strickland we're doing flip gordon we're doing david finley the son of finley we're oh, doing awesome Winston. uh you know a lot of new japan talent a lot of guys that have become popular through roh or that have made deals with AEW. Or you've seen them on pwg it's really just me trying to keep my pulse on the industry you know i'm an avid fan i'm an avid collector i'm trying to tie both of those loves in and generating that towards the collector audience and figure audience and it's just great to see the groundswell that the lines have had because you know you'll have your detractors uh, any toy line you know we're to all toy collectors here so you're never going to have a perfect toy line there's sure. always going to be some type of flaw or figure that you know you're going to not see perfection in or, or want to complain about and i do feel there is a bit of a mob mentality out there because a lot of the forums and podcasts do steer a lot towards mattel and i feel like if you didn't grow up on jacks like we did or if you only know mattel because you're of a certain age or only hear certain people talk about it yeah well maybe you're not going to like our figures but i think our design team does some killer work uh, i totally agree with you on delirious I think that Kiss Demon figure came out fantastic. I think yeah. Tut Guerrero was great. I think the likeness on some of the figures like Rocky Romero and Jeff Cobb and Chris Hero look amazing. And let's face it, who knows if or when any of these guys would ever get a figure at all or if any of these younger guys are ever going to get another figure because Chris Hero's been back with WWE for a couple of years now and they haven't even touched him yet. Right. So... You know, it all depends on what Mattel is feeling, what any other toy company is feeling, and as long as we can ride the wave of wrestling's popularity, I want to do all these names that have that social media fan base or have that groundswell of support who are appearing on various shows and getting their name out there because the more visible they are, the more visible their figure is, and that's only a good thing for FTC's name. Yeah, absolutely, and, and you guys... Are you know if you're a wrestling fan, uh, unless you're just purely a mainstream WWE guy, if you're a wrestling fan, you've kind of got your your fingers in a lot of different pies, a lot of different areas, and Mattel simply isn't serving every interest that you have. And you guys are coming in 
in what to me is the seminal wrestling figure style. That ruthless aggression style that Jax invented is in my head when I picture a wrestling figure, that's what it looks like. And, you know, other lines have other things to offer, and I, I love cartoony stuff, I love articulated stuff, I love whatever, but that to me, in the same way that a three and three quarter inch G.I. Joe figure is my idea of that scale, that ruthless aggression style is my idea of a wrestling figure. And and you guys are hitting so many different things with what you're doing on that. Uh before we wrap this thing up. I want to ask you, and this is a tough question, but do you guys have a single favorite figure and a single favorite line from all of wrestling toys? Let's start with you, Rich. Like, do you have a start with me? Well, do you have a, do you have like a prized possession? Like a man, this is the figure I'm really just so proud that I have. I mean, it, it's he's one of my favorite wrestlers. Uh, we've mentioned him in this podcast, I think. And um, he's the first Mattel figure I ever bought. I can't remember the series, but the Big Van Vader that came out of Mattel. Uh, with, But it had the, the Macedon helmet. Yes, yes. And the Vader mask. I just think it's a gorgeous figure. I mean, it's it's a pretty hard figure to find, and I remember I found it at Walmart. I was walking into Walmart, and they apparently got too many cases or what. I wasn't even really looking at wrestling figures at the time, and so at the very front of the store, they just had all these wrestling figures, and they had a bunch of the Van Hammers, or Van... Boy, that's a different figure. <laughs> um, the Van Vader... <laughs> Uh, Van Vader's, so I bought one not even really collecting anything, but it was just so cool. Um, it's just such a great figure that I, I really am glad I own that figure. Um, as far as a line, I mean, it's really tough, but, I mean, that Jack's line, like, um, you remember, like, they would come out with, like, special editions and, like, different pay-per-view names, and they would just rehash figures. You know, really, and just put them in different packagings, and you could find them at KB. Yeah, you can find them at, K- at KB for like three to ten, three for ten if you waited long enough. Sure, sure. And I would buy all of those and just put them all over my walls. Um, and uh, I just loved them. And I, I mean, I don't have them, so it's not very a very specific line, but it was basically any uh, wrestling figure you could find at KB. Because uh, they did, I feel like they had the exclusives or stuff that only they had, because you couldn't really find it everywhere. So, uh, I don't know, that, that Jack's line is just so... It, it's really the first action figure since He-Man that I really focused on buying for myself so it'll always hold a special place i think my favorite line is is probably hasbro's wwf line they're just they're so collectible they're so accessible and i i don't i've got a ton of them but i don't have nearly all of them and there's something that i can kind of constantly pursue but just enjoy like they're 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 not hard to get but I'm always on the lookout for them. My favorite single figure, I'm actually holding it in my hand right now. It's from Jack Specific. Uh, it's not the William Regal that I mentioned before. 
it's a William Regal that was some kind of mail-in or special release. Uh, the bo- he, he comes in a small box as opposed to a blister card, and it's uh, a WWE Limited. It's in a British flag, a, a Union Jack box, a window box, and he has the Born Naughty t-shirt on, but it's like a fabric shirt that yep. comes off of the figure, and he's got a black eye. And I were those the toy fair yeah, exclusive figures? Bare knuckle gimmick. Is well, and that's I'm not sure. I bought it off of eBay a few years ago because, uh, as I mentioned, William Regal, my favorite wrestler of all time, uh, and I have the Born Naughty T-shirt, which is one of the few pieces of merchandise William Regal has ever had. Uh, and this is wearing that same T-shirt. And is just such a unique, interesting figure. And underneath, I haven't ever opened it up, but underneath, you can tell he's actually wearing the singlet as opposed to the trunks uh, that he, the red trunks that he he typically wears. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I love it. I, it's in this pristine box. I, I got it off of eBay. I don't know how many years ago, uh, but it's it's a limited edition, one of three thousand. And, and I love it. I love the fact that I own this figure that's wearing a T-shirt that I own. Uh, what about you, Chris? Favorite line? Favorite single wrestling toy item? Uh, the favorite would have to be the one that I mentioned earlier, that Hollywood Blondes two-pack. Yeah, I, I yeah. was just I was blown out when they revealed that that was coming out. And, you know, knowing that it was going to be a Toys R Us exclusive, it was kind of a thrill of the hunt of getting that one. Uh, just, well, I still have it mint on Never cracked it open. And I remember those coming out because they did a whole series. They would release, like, three two-packs at a time for mm-hmm. a while. Because I think they did, what, the Killer Bees, maybe? They um, did Killer Bees. They did a horrendous Rock and Roll Express. Oh, yeah, gosh. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. But they did a great Midnight Express. Which is funny because they didn't have a cornet to go with it. Yep. Um... Then they had some peg warmers. They had uh, Tony Atlas and Rocky Johnson. Uh, yeah, that was the Toys R Us exclusive for a while. Yeah, uh, yeah. They, they did Abe Knuckleball Schwartz and Bobby Heenan. <laughs> I don't remember that, but that's awesome. So you I want do to talk remember. about the plethora of releases through Jacks. I mean, oh, you know, that's great. Abe, I don't see Abe Schwartz coming out from Mattel many times. No, no, I, I, you're all right. As much as I can speak highly of Jacks, and you know. I'll be completely honest. I'm not a Mattel hater at all. In fact, not only do I still collect some things for myself, but I'm kind of living vicariously through little Zach because he's such a wrestling fan, and he adores not only the main roster now, but he will watch the network, and he's into the old characters. I mean, my son is not even four, and he has matches with the Berserker figure, so how great is that? (laughs) That's awesome. You know, not, not to take away from any of the modern lines, but I just, you know, I don't know if you want to call it the nostalgia, the fond memories. Um, like I said, I could remember getting Series 1 in the particular order that my grandmother bought them in. It just nothing beats Hasbro for me. I just, you know, Hasbro, I think, was just such a great line, just fun to collect, great-looking characters. It's full of nostalgia. It's full of fun memories. And it's something that, you know, has driven me to collect something. Like, I buy that Mattel retro line. I actually normally will buy two of each so that I can crack one open and leave one on the card. And it's not because I see any tremendous value in a lot of them, even though some of them do have some value. It's just that eventually I want to, again, have that display going 
and show them off because I just love that style of figure. I think they're really fun to look at. I always thought they were fun to play with. And I just think that they are, to this day, probably my favorite line that I've ever collected. Well, and those cards are such a nostalgia blast because Mattel is is pretty much recreating them exactly. So just mm-hmm. looking at them is just delightful to to remember that. And I'll say this, I got the ring, and if they don't make some title belts soon, I'm going to lose my mind. Because the Well, there's ring- a rumor going around that the ring is being discontinued. Really? There is a rumor going around, so a lot of people have been gobbling them up. I know it's been as low as like 16 on Amazon, yeah. but I that still have Kmart's in the area have found them for as low as 12. Well, the ring has the two, you know, it's it's basically a reproduction of the original Hasbro ring, and it has the two spots to put the title belts on, but we have no title belts yet. And it's driving me nuts. Yeah, because at least the Hasbro ring came with the winged eagle title, the right. world title. Right, exactly. All right, well, I think we have, have uh, done a pretty good job of covering at least our personal memories of wrestling toys. I don't think there are too many nooks and crannies that we overlooked. Uh, before we go, i got to find out uh, where are you guys online and what are you up to. Uh, let's start with Chris. Where can we find you online? What are you doing? All right, well, a lot of times you can actually find me with Richard on the Nerdy Laser Podcast. Uh, we had a bit of downtime during the holidays, but we're coming back strong in the coming weeks. I know we've got a podcast coming up next week which has a topic near and dear to our hearts of course it has to do with 90s nostalgia uh but as far as finding me personally you can always check out figurestoycompany.com and wrestlingsuperstore.com aside from the wrestling figures that we've mentioned that i make we are responsible for the quote-unquote mego revival the retro figure revival of eight inch action figures for dc comics Hanna barbera kiss the monkeys the three stooges and a whole lot more. Some great stuff just came into stock. We've got a new Nightwing out, a Man Bat figure. We've got a new line of U.S. presidents. Scooby-Doo, which I know Richard is a big fan of. Just some great stuff that you can see at figurestoycompany.com. You can find those wrestling figures on that site and over at wrestlingsuperstore.com, along with some other wrestling merchandise like T-shirts and action figure gear. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, it's at figurestoyco on Twitter, at W-R-E-S underscore superstore. On Twitter, you can look up the company name on Facebook and Instagram. And if you would like to follow me, you can check me out on Twitter at Zach Malibu and over at BulletproofAction.com. The name of my column is No Surrender Cinema, where I review various movies, typically in the action variety. Latest review just went up last week to celebrate Black History Month. It was a review of Canon Films' epic movie, Rappin'. So be sure to check all that stuff out, and that's how you can find me online. Awesome. Rich, what are you up to? Where can we find you? Well, I am part of three podcasts, uh, like uh, Chris said, the Nerdy Laser Podcast. It releases every week, as does the PWR Spot Show, which is a wrestling podcast. And we have the Assignment Horror Podcast, and we have an episode that we did with uh, Chuck Dixon, the creator, the co-creator of Bane. So that was pretty awesome. We talked about Layer of the White Worm. Uh, best way to find any of those things are on iTunes, uh, Podbean, or SoundCloud. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Nerdy Laser, and I have all the links to those things there, and I share other things. And uh, yeah, that's about it for me. Awesome. 
Thank you guys so much for coming on, talking about wrestling toys on the road to WrestleMania. And uh, we will talk to both of you again sooner than later. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. I want to remind everyone that you can find me on episode 32 of the Nerdy Laser Podcast, Talking to Rich. Uh, If you Google Nerdy Laser Podcast, you will find it. Uh, We we actually recorded, uh, because my scheduling is so tricky right now, uh, I recorded with Rich episode 32 of the Nerdy Laser Podcast right before we recorded this episode 258 of the Needless Things Podcast because it was sort of a night of, okay, let's let's get this all done because I wanted to talk to Rich and, and I appreciate the fact that he was interested in talking to me about my career and what I do. Uh, and, and it was a really great interview. You should definitely go listen to it. Uh, and I'm glad you listened to this episode of the Needless Things Podcast because talking about wrestling toys with those two guys who who in my circle of people I consider the experts of wrestling toys was a whole lot of fun. And I look forward to talking to them again soon. Uh, Let's see here. Go and join the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group, which you can find by going to Facebook and looking for Needless Things Podcast. Uh, Like Needless Things on Facebook. Follow Needless Things Podcast on Instagram. Follow Phantom Troublemaker on Instagram. And go to needlessthingspodcast.com every day during the week. We don't post every single day, but we're we're close. Every single Friday, there's a new episode of the Needless Things Podcast. Uh, we usually have posts Monday, every single Tuesday, I do a home video post, and, uh, you know, we love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things Podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.